The objective to deliver the NBA to you like no other. News, play breakdowns, power rankings, storylines you never hear talked about anywhere else. It's all straight shots here. Fired by straight shooters. S and Gun. This is the Objective Basketball Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Objective Basketball Podcast. I am Esfandi Arberahini, joined by my co-host, Lauren Gunn. Lauren, how was your weekend? It was good. It's it's a long weekend for us. Today is MLK Day, so I'm off from work, which is a wonderful thing. Just makes absolutely. my Mondays that much easier, so things are good. Yep, yep, absolutely. And as the NBA celebrates uh, the life of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and, you know, um, his, his work... In the 60s and 70s, uh, especially, you know, as a, as a civil rights activist, political, economic, social, racial, um, it we have a bunch of basketball games as well. Thanks to that. We have a full slate of basketball, which mm-hmm. is going to be awesome to watch starting at 1 p.m. today. We're recording as this game starts with Boston and Charlotte. Um, and then there's going to be a couple of, of day games, actually a bunch of day games throughout the day. A lot of matinee affairs, which is which is something I love. It kind of mm-hmm. takes me back to the bubble. I don't know about you. Yeah. Um, that was the best part of the the bubble to me where it was like, oh, man, all day basketball. All day. You can just throw it on there. So God, it crazy. was fun. Um, folks, we're not going to be talking about the games today, but we we do have, you know, something that we've been working on over this past weekend, thinking about, if you will. Um, this was an idea that Lauren brought to me, and I'm like, oh, we got to do this. Yes, <laughs> we have to do this. Um, it is it is the top five young cores in the NBA. Young as in youthful, cores as in cores. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, look, uh, the criteria we've kind of established for this, that it has to be a – 25 and under so it can be a 25 year old it could also be under than 25 years old also um i don't know if you did this but Mm -hmm. i I did this Mm -hmm. i established core as multiple players i a hundred percent okay cool because there's another list out there in the sphere of things of just these like massive superstar players that are also Mm -hmm. under 25 years old but they're the only guy on that one team. So I'll list them just for the people at home, okay? <laughs> Luka Doncic on the Dallas Mavs. Sorry, you're not making the young core list. Even though I would probably take – I would definitely take you over every single player <laughs> we're about to mention. Mm-hmm. Um, Boston, Jason Tatum, also t- under 25 years old. I believe he's 24. But mm-hmm. regardless, not going to be included in this list. You and Grant Williams are not a young core, okay? Right. Uh, the Timberwolves with Anthony Edwards, although there are a couple of other young pieces, you can argue Jada McDaniels, but still not going to be including into the young core. Charlotte with LaMelo Ball. I do not think there are anybody else out there. When you get Wemby, you will be in this conversation. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> and uh, and I, even just aside, I guess the Sixers with Tyrese Maxey, I also said, you know what, like you're a young guy, probably going to be an all-star, but... I'm not going to be including you in young cores. Even outside of those players, though, outside of those teams, there are so many great young players in the NBA. (laughs) 
Yeah, this was difficult. This was hard. Yeah. I I mean, every time I was like, oh, there's my number one. That's my number one young core. Right. I would kind of keep looking at this list and I would be like, mm, and then I'd play around with it. And then all of a sudden the team that I just said was number one is now number four. And I just am <laughs> like, this isn't, this is, this is impossible. And so ultimately I came up with kind of a, a systematic approach to how am I going to go about it? Cause the number one thing is obviously, yeah, you have a core as multiple players. It's not Luca Mavs. You're not even on my list because it's just, that's the reality of right. it. And so, yeah. Yeah. um, my criteria kind of going through it is playoff or not playoff all-star level potential or current, um, I guess status. Um, and, and how many of those players are there and long-term trajectory, how do Mm -hmm. I rank those guys? And it's hard. You could, I mean, for me, you could make a case to kind of reorder honestly, like so many of them, if not all of them, but, uh, but I did, finalize and ultimately come up with a with a list that i feel I good am, about i am very curious to see if we end up with the with the same with list the same I, I feel like that's so unlikely because it's so it's so hard <laughs> it, it really is so hard and honestly i have a hot take that <laughs> it might just have to be the sound bite because some people are going to be like oh. okay okay all right i, okay, I look. firmly stand behind this take but this season i will admit it is a poorly timed take but in the long term i stand by it one thousand percent i do i think i know who you're talking about they probably made my honorable mention i'm i'm excited okay. i th- i have a feeling i know who you're talking about they're a team i was bullish on coming into the season and was heavily disappointed so am i am i am i kind of am i, I think am I? we might i don't yeah, think yeah, we're yeah, talking yeah. about yeah. i don't think so no no i don't okay. think so actually now that i'm thinking okay. about it i'm like no i don't think so okay interesting just before we get to that uh just as an aside did you end up watching the lakers sixers game from last night the or at least the end of it with the call and russell westbrook and I, all- yeah i saw that part and i followed along because i had some some betting actually going on but i did not watch nice. all 48 minutes speaking of some betting action think you know what way it's gonna go make your bet at sports interaction whatever your sport like lauren sports interaction has you covered pre-game live betting on all major sports and prop bets want to bet head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn 19 plus please play responsibly i am killing these segues by the way you really are um oh. yeah okay anyways no the 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 lakers and sixers game was interesting for the final play really um, cause it was an amalgamation, like a summation kind of, of what Russell West- Westbrook is as a player. He had an awesome, yeah. awesome game. Uh, the Lakers played a really, really good game against a good Sixers team. And then down the stretch, um, Westbrook just decided to take things on his own and, and go with that transition, uh, attempt that ended up being, uh, you know, I think I, to be honest with you, I did see the foul, but yeah. they didn't see the foul on the play and, whether that is, you know, what we kind of argue about, that's that's a different story. I think that was a good summation of what the Russell Westbrook problem is in, in Los Angeles. Yes, he's been better than last season, and he's been good for them in stretches. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it is tough to consider him when you need guys to win playoff series. Like we mentioned this in episode one where it's like they just need guys. Yeah, they need guys exactly. who can play in the playoffs. Uh, it's tough relying on Russell Westbrook. Hello, Winston. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's the... <laughs> he sends his regards. He sends his regards. Winston sends his regards. Um, I just imagine Winston has a British accent, by the way. I don't he know does. why. I but... just, how, how did you know? I have no idea how of you course. know that. Of course. Absolutely. Sure 
Yes. Um, no, but but when it comes to uh, when it comes to Russell Westbrook, it just it that really showed you like, yes, he's been good for them, but at the end of the day, that's not a guy that they can rely on uh, in a playoff series just because of the fact that there are those chaotic moments, and when you're in crunch time and you need a bucket, if that's the type of thing you're gonna get, you're gonna end up losing a lot of games in the playoffs because of it. So. Yeah, we'll see what happens with the Lakers. I don't want to make this Lakers-centric because they do not have a young core. Um, <laughs> they definitely do not have that. Yeah. So uh, there were there were like three teams that I just said do not have. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the Los Angeles Clippers, the Los Angeles Lakers, and the Milwaukee Bucks. I just wrote beside them, don't have young core because they yeah. really don't. They are relying mm-hmm. on older players, and they don't have that young guy that is kind of – coming up beside them if you will so i'm curious what your first team is do you want to go from five to one did you rank yeah. them yeah i did rank them i did oh, i, did I had to rank them i, I did we also need to go five to one more okay. sense that way yeah you're right you're right okay, okay. so g- give me your number five this is where the hot take is right here oh yeah okay. <laughs> we're starting we're just starting off with it i have the thunder at number five. Oh, oh hey they're higher on my list. Don't worry. Keep That's clicking. why I think it's a bit of a hot take because I see what Shay's doing. I don't, I'm not discounting Shay. Okay. Part of it has to do with the fact that we haven't seen Chet yet, who I, I am very high on. But again, the biggest thing, and I'm going to say this a million times so people don't roast me, <laughs> is that it is the quantity of players and not just the quantity of, you know, potential franchise cornerstones or even players oh that you can build around at the top. But even the four, five, six for me, and that's why they're number five. Because okay. I, it's the it's the it's the four, five, six. It's right. the let me say three, four, five, six for me. Okay. That right. puts them at number five. So okay. For me, I I kind of went at it that way too. Yeah. But I also so once I kind of listed out the teams, I'm like, okay, who has the best player here in this yeah. in this group of teams? SGA obviously is near the top of that list. Yes, um, for sure. When it comes to talking about these young cores, I mean, you can obviously talk about Jaw, Zion, etc. But but SGA is one hundred percent near the top of this list. I think that matters because he's a franchise cornerstone type of player. Um, he's doing things, in my opinion, that put him in that caliber of like a top ten, top twelve player in the league this season I imagine that as he grows and as he gets better it'll just improve and he's only 24 years old Um, they have a lot of young guys under 25 so they have Shea Gilgis Alexander Lou Dort uh, Jalen Williams who I think is a a nice guy Pokashevsky Trey Mann Chet Holmgren Josh Giddy. And then they have these other guys like Usman Diang and, and the other Jalen Williams and Darius <laughs> Bates. They have a lot of young players. The yes. quantity is there for me. Yeah. Um, and I've put them a little bit higher. I have them one okay. spot higher than okay. you do. And I think that was because debating between this team, the Oklahoma City Thunder, and the mm-hmm. fifth team that I'm about to tell you, okay. SGA was just the better player of That's the fair. bunch. Uh, so he kind of outweighed it. The fifth team that I have – is the Orlando Magic? <laughs> do you do you have them? Do you, yeah, is they, it, I sure do have them. Is it swapped? Is it, it are sure we is. Oh come on, that <laughs> is ridiculous. Palo over Shea. That's my hot take wow. right there. I know. I that know is, it's ill timed. I know it's ill timed. 
but I stand by it. I am so high on Paolo. I just, I see it. Every aspect of the game, the way he wins, both sides of the ball, the leadership, the ability to fit in. I just, I see it. And and, and it's not that I think Shea can't do that, can't per, uh, can't bring you winning basketball. I, I totally think that. Oh, well, right he's doing now, it right now. I mean, he is. He is. Yeah. He is. I, right now, how I view them in terms of young core, because with young core comes long-term kind of what right. you're talking about there, like in terms of projection. And so with the magic and with building around Paolo, I think that they can have much more success than the Thunder, even though the Thunders have the picks. I'm talking about current players and how you're going to slide in pieces around them, trades out of the picture. I do, I, I, I'm with the magic. And I also have, I, I like Franz more than I like Josh. I love Josh Giddy, but that's kind of, that's my logic there. Well, I look, I... I'm a big fan of Paulo too. I am. Uh, I think a guy who is 6'10", 250 pounds, has all the tools to be like – I was watching the game against the Nuggets last night, which was a great game, by the way. Nikola mm-hmm. Jokic hit the game winner, had a stone-cold face. It was hilarious. You guys should absolutely watch <laughs> that final little stretch. Bull Bull had his reunion and had his revenge. I think he had like 22 and 13 or something. Um and and Markel Fultz was awesome. The Magic are a really, really fun team. And I, mm-hmm. I put them into this young core because I think they absolutely deserve to be there because of Paolo, because of the fact that Franz Wagner is also, I think, in a similar tier of player to, to Paolo. I think, I think Franz is heavily underrated. Um, yes. And that comes from a guy who, you know, obviously with the Raptors and, you know, Scotty Barnes covering them last year, there was this big debate between – Oh, the Raptors were going to take Franz Wagner. Oh, the Raptors, you know, they they were eyeing Jalen Suggs and they went with Scotty instead and whatnot, right? But Franz has Franz and Paolo are kind of like two sides of the same coin in the sense that yeah. they are big, they are playmakers, they can create their own shots. They're both like they both have size. Yeah. Um and that is going to that is going to help them go a long way in the in the NBA when it comes to them becoming all-stars and potentially even superstars, no question about it. But yeah. I would rather have the product right now, which yeah, is why fair. I say which is why I say SGA. And I think um, there's a good chance that Paolo ends up being a top 10 player in the league. I think there's a very good chance that Franz Wagner can be in that same upper echelon, maybe, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, and then on top of that, they have Markel Fultz, Bull Bull, Mo Bamba. So there is a really, really fun nucleus there of young players. Right. Um, and if they end up losing a little bit more this year, they could probably add another top five-ish pick. They also have the Chicago pick from this year as well. And if Chicago falls off the wagon, they have two lottery picks that they can throw in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think your Magic pick is fair. Yeah. The only reason I would give OKC the edge right now is because SGA is a is is legit. Like, look, if he was on any other team, I think he would be mentioned as an MVP candidate. Um, yeah, for his I, performance I can't right now. Disagree with that. Yeah, so I I think there's a little bit of that. Um, I would personally go ahead and take Shea. I mean, the guy is averaging thirty <laughs> five and five with two right. steals and a block in thirty five minutes a night. The Thunder, by the way, ended up beating the Brooklyn Nets last night, um, and the Thunder are pretty close to getting into play in contention. Mm-hmm. Um, which is which is something that's really interesting because a lot of people imagine that they would tank. They're twenty one and twenty three. They've won three in a row. They're six and four in their last ten, uh, and they are tied for tenth. Actually, no, they're they're tied for eleventh right now with the Phoenix Suns. But 
They have a pretty simple, I wouldn't say easy schedule, but they have a pretty good schedule. I wouldn't be shocked if we end up seeing the the Thunder in a playing game this year. Yeah. Um, which is kind of different from what my expectations were of this team. I imagine they would be frisky enough to maybe win like 30-ish games, but they're looking like they might win 39 to 40-something games. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's really hard when you have a guy like Shea that, that just plays at that level because, I mean, there, we've seen it in the past with the Thunder and with Shea specifically, times when they've maybe shut him down for the season or maybe yeah. rested him a little bit more to kind of emphasize that tanking uh, philosophy. But when he's playing like this and he's very clearly not struggling with any nagging injuries, it's mm-hmm. so hard to slow down a guy like that. And Josh Giddy is another guy that's having a really, really solid year. Um, so I, I do love the thunder. I, I'm not, I get, I just got to say this on the magic. <laughs> it's for me, it's also the Wendell Carter jr. The Jalen Suggs, the Cole Anthony. I right, would take right. all three of those guys over again, the four, five, six guy. Well, let me say, yeah, no, actually the four, five, six guys at OKC. And so right. for me, that is kind of where right now, OKC, like to me, their kind of talent, like goes like this. Whereas to me, Orlando's is like a kind of a consistent, maybe not as with the Shea in terms of right now. Um, But I just think it's so fascinating because ultimately we're going to be talking about them sometime. Like we're going to probably talk about the two teams that we have at the top here in just got probably a few years now because there's just so much talent. So I I feel like we do have, uh, after this, we probably have the same (laughs) list. Um, I'm I'm curious to see what your third team is, but I imagine, I think it's the same. I think it's the same. Um, So my my thing with with OKC um, is you have to decide how high you are on Chet Holmgren. And that's an impossible task to have because the man is going to be missing his rookie year. He's obviously um, one of those bigs that, you kind of have questions about how they deal with injuries and his frame and whatnot. And everybody had those type of questions coming into the draft with Chet Holmgren. I think there's a lot of potential there that he can be a rookie of the year candidate next season mm-hmm. um, that he can kind of him. Wemby, uh Scoot Henderson is kind of going to be the three way race for rookie yeah. of the year. I really am high on Chet Holmgren. I think, um, what he could bring to a team like OKC as a floor spacer, as a rim protector, him and Poku can play that, like Poku being the weak side rim protector and, and Chet Holmgren kind of feasting guys away as the main mm-hmm. rim protector. Then you have the pick and roll, pick and pop options with SGA and Giddy that he can play with. So there's, and also on top of that, he's a pretty good playmaker. So yeah, my thing is I'm high on Chet Holmgren. Yeah. I think I like, I like I'm I'm probably on the opposite side for a lot of people because I think some people are, are skeptical about um you know health related issues for Chet and whatnot. But if he can stay healthy, I believe that is a surefire all star player. Um yeah. and I, I I don't know. I I I'm really high on him. I'm really high on the fit between him and SGA as well. And you mentioned Giddy earlier, but Giddy is Giddy's a guy who has had some uh, skeptics, if you will, yeah. this season. A lot of people mm-hmm. have been questioning his legitimacy as a, as kind of like a, a, a young core piece, if you will. Yeah. Um, I think that that notion is ridiculous, obviously because he's super, I, super I young. Um, but on top of that, he just has a lot of the, let, let's say like the, the intangible feel side of things for, yeah. for a basketball game. Uh, and I think those type of players, even if they don't turn out to be all-stars, even if they don't turn out to be 
uh, star players, that's a guy that can be your fourth or fifth starter. That yeah. Easily, very, very easily. Um, and and I think that's that's very, very fair to say about Josh Giddy. I imagine, look, the potential for him is high. He has to figure out the jump shot. He has right. to get a little bit better on the defensive end and, and kind of fighting through screens and whatnot. But when it comes to the actual productivity out there, him making plays, him crashing the boards, all that is really, really good. He is yeah. elite at that. And the scoring... He'll figure out the scoring in some way, right? I think a lot of people looked at him as like a Australian Ricky Rubio. <laughs> I um, was thinking about Ricky Rubio. It's funny that you said that. It, it's kind of it's kind of there. I, mean, I could see it. It's, you know? Yeah, it is kind of there. It is kind of there. Um, pers- personally, I I don't understand the skepticism. Kind of similar to where you're coming from, and and yes, a big part of it is is the youth. But he just. When you watch him, like you said, he has a good feel for the game. He knows how to move the ball. He's got great, in my opinion, great playmaking uh, vision. Yeah. Um, and so I think when you don't have to expect him to be the quarterback of your offense or even, you know, the primary ball handler because you have a guy like Shea Gilgis Alexander, having a guy like Josh Giddy to have your average backcourt height being, what, 6'6", six, six? Uh, that's crazy. That's that's really crazy to have that. And so, and, and not only are they big in terms of size he fills up the stat sheet maybe the scoring like you said will uh hopefully come with time especially with the shooting but the assists the rebounding like he he does do that stuff he's just maybe not the most well i would say that he's a little flashy but in terms of athleticism maybe not the the flashiest there so i like yeah. josh i like the fit there and i even to your point with chet holmgren how he's going to come into the mix there um and and potentially maybe not carry carries the wrong word but be this either second score, probably the second scoring option with Shea, Absolutely, that will also yeah. make Josh's life easier. And I think the three of them together is going to be a really, really interesting core, I guess. And then you'll have, you know, Lou Dort and even maybe Darius Baisley. We'll see. But uh, <laughs> I think they're going to really have some interesting pieces to kind of slide in and complement the three of those uh, in terms of them being the focal point of their their offense. Yeah. The only thing I would say with Giddy, and I think that's this this will come with time, is that he is kind of uh he avoids contact a lot on yeah. drives. And uh his free throw rate isn't good. He only take uh, yeah, he takes less than two free throws a game. So he's not getting to the line a lot. He's not being aggressive when it comes to kind of finishing through guys versus trying to avoid contact and go through it. I think that was something that LaMelo Ball was heavily criticized about also coming yeah. into the league. Um, and LaMelo has gotten better at that, though. So I, th- I think Giddy, like the, the idea with him is to be a very, very good secondary player right now. Mm-hmm. If he can somehow break through that ceiling and become an all-star, it's because the scoring has gotten better. It's because the free throws and and him his activity overall, maybe defensively yeah. even, has gotten a lot better. So we got Absolutely. OKC, we got Orlando, um, which, which, by the way, I love the Orlando pick. I think that's a bold take, but I, I really do enjoy it because yeah. Paolo and friends are the – prototypical type of players you want to draft in today's NBA. If you, exactly. if you had to, if you, if someone came up to you and said, Hey, Lauren, talk to me, <laughs> I'm, I'm an NBA front office and I literally have no idea what basketball is. What should I do? Uh, I would say, look, just look at where, and <laughs> you know, Masai Jerry and Bobby Webster have done this fine, but look, yep. look at where the six, nine, six, 10 playmaking scoring type of guys are and draft those guys. Because yep. those guys have incredibly high ceilings. 
We've seen it through the last 10 years, the Paul Georges of the world, the Kawhi Leonard's of the world, the, to a different uh, elk, the Pascal Siakam's of the world. Those type mm-hmm. of guys are not only extremely valuable, but because of because of their in-between game, uh, mm-hmm. they pose such a threat offensively. And because of their size, their length, their ability, they're also not a liability on defense. So exactly. you have the perfect combination for that type of player. If you had to pick a, a specific size for a basketball player in the NBA, it would probably be between 6'6 six, six and 6'9". Six, Right. Um, and maybe even 6'10", because we're talking about Paolo and Franz right now, who are both 6'10 players. It's so crazy. the fluidity that those guys show is something that is 100% true. It is it is the making of a superstar, uh, and I, I really, really do love it. I also want to shout out Markel Fultz, because he had yes. an awesome game last night against the Nuggets. I watched that game. It was, it was genuinely – I really do recommend y'all watch it. It was a great game. But Markel brings such juice to that team he brings such pop um and in terms of playmaking he just kind of makes sense that team was dying for a point guard and he just kind of calms things down um Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways and i don't mean this as uh apples to apples comparison here but yeah he has a lot of the herky-jerky in between game type style as shea gilgis alexander does shea gilgis alexander he's really really good um, kind of like maneuvering his pivot foot, getting into a nice angle and kind of finishing or or maybe finding someone off a, like a, a, a backdoor cut. But uh, Markel can kind of do similar things, but he's just a little bit more loosey-goosey with it. You can see him kind of like getting bumped. He figures it out and then trying to goes up for a layup. It's, it's really, really enjoyable, enjoyable to watch. I would like to hear your third team, though. My third team. My third team... And this kind of comes back to. I feel like one and two, we know who they are. We so know I, who this they is, are. This is, this is let's this see if we it. get the. Yeah, hundred percent oh, on I'm the. I'm nervous. Test. Number three for me is Detroit. Oh, so see, we don't have the same list. <laughs> we do not have the same list. Okay, before you go on your Detroit spiel, I would like to say yeah. they are an honorable mention for me. Okay, yeah. they are. They are right there. If I had to pick, I just. Not being able to see Cade this season, uh, it's not that it's changed my perspective on them. I remember I was very, very high. So I was very high on this team. This was the team that I thought you were going to have a hot take on. And maybe this is your hot take, honestly, Lord. Um, Could be. But, but yeah, no. So this was kind of the team I was really high on. I thought they would be a playing team uh, because I I love the Jaden Ivey and Cade Cunningham fit. I thought – you know, maybe Boyan could give them a little bit more of an offensive bunch, and he has, but right. they have a long way to go. Um, yeah. I still do think there's a lot of promise there, so talk to talk to me about why they're they're third on your list. Yeah, I mean, obviously, and and the reason also it's relevant as to why I chose them above Orlando and and OKC, and really, if if you were another kind of way that I looked at this is if I were say starting like a fantasy draft and I had to pick someone of, okay, who am I building my franchise around? Is this guy a guy that I would pick to build around start from scratch? And if so, how many of these guys do we have? And I consider Jaden Ivey and Cade Cunningham to both be one of those guys. And So that's why I put them over both the thunder and the magic. I think you could absolutely make a case that Franz is one of those guys, but I'm I'm higher long term on both Cade and Jaden. Okay. Uh, I just really like their games. Um, I'm also 
while I don't think he's necessarily in the same category, I'm so high on Jalen Duran. I think he's a phenomenal player. When they pulled off that trade on draft night, I was like, my God, Massive. are they really, are they really going to come away with Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran in one draft? That's, that's crazy to me. And so I really like him. Sadiq Bey, I I'm going. I'm operating under the assumption that he's going to be there post trade deadline, but you never know. Right. Um, but I, I am a big fan of his game. I know he's had a bit of a shaky year shooting wise, but I think he still has a, a high ceiling and that he's a good fit with them. And um, I think he's. I mean, I think he's going to be a really solid player. So. And then you've got Killing Hayes. You've got. I mean, you've got lots. Who of guys has figured on it out? By the way, he Who has is... figured it out. Yeah, he has, which I love to see. I'm very actually curious to see what their long-term plans are, especially if for some reason they do end up with that number two overall pick in the draft. I've seen some quite interesting takes on Twitter coming from Pistons, yeah. Pistons Twitter. So that is something that I'm really fascinated to see. But I love what they're doing, and I think they have a lot of potential in terms of even adding to that core, not just through the draft, but um, that's that's besides the point. Right now, I think the group that they have, I think they fit well together. I think they're going to grow well together. Um, and even we're already seeing, like, Killian is a great example of some of these guys that are quote-unquote late bloomers mm-hmm. already starting to figure it out. Hami Diallo, while obviously not the same tier as some of these other guys we're talking about, is a guy that came to Detroit after kind of struggling to, to keep his spot in a rotation in OKC, comes to Detroit and kind of starts to figure it out um, and, and put some things together. So I just... I, I'm pretty high on Detroit, and, and I like what they're putting together for sure. I will say, um, and I wrote an article about this, folks, by the way, if you want to check it out, newsletter. Uh, I wrote about Lowry, Mar- Lowry Markinen and um, mm. you know, kind of the art of pettiness, the lesson on development, and like not giving up on guys, right? Not saying, oh, this guy's a bust three years into his league. Did you know that Killian Hayes is 21 years old? He's <laughs> 21. It's crazy. Uh, it's crazy. It's it's wild to consider because, you know, when we were saying, oh, it's not working out, it's not looking too good, the man was 19 and 20 years old. <laughs> so yep. I, I just want to put that into perspective for people who are so quick to be like, oh, this there's no way this guy figures it out because th- there is a long lifespan of an NBA player now. And also with the fact that, like, we know so much more about development than we did even 20 years ago. It's become such a like fun word that people like to throw out there. Development, development, this development, that people don't realize that development, a big part of that is learning what you can't do, learning Mm -hmm. what you are not capable of doing. And I think with Killian Hayes, there was this process, especially with adding lead guards beside him of, okay, how am I going to adapt off the ball? And that right. was the massive – that was a massive thing for him. Now, to be fair, they have gotten him on the ball more with Kate out this year, and, and it, he sort of looked good in that role. So to your point, I agree. I do wonder what his lifespan on the Pistons is because of the fact that, look, if they do get that second overall pick, now you have a situation where you have to throw in Scoot, Ender, Scoot Henderson and deal with Scoot, Cade Cunningham, and Jaden Ivey and I have no idea how that looks <laughs> um, on a basketball court. I was talking about three guard lineups on the last pod and how fun those are with, you know, Garland, Rubio, Sexton, and then Garland, uh, Mitchell, and Rubio this year potentially. But, like, mm-hmm. that's not something you can run out for 82 games. That's just something right. to throw out there to, to change things up. It's, it's the, it's the changeup in baseball. I'm not a baseball right. guy, but I'm pretty sure I know <laughs> that's what it means. Uh, <laughs> so, like <laughs> – so, I mean, I, I think, I don't know. That's a tough decision. They'll they'll cross that bridge when they get there. 
But in terms of why I didn't put Detroit there, it's just because I need to see I, I need to see Cade healthy. And and yeah. when I see Cade healthy, I might be able to change my mind on this and, and change kind of where they are in this. So my third team, and I'm surprised because I feel like two and one are like solidified. No mm-hmm. question, no holds mm-hmm. barred, no doubt in my mind that the two no and doubt. one. It's just the order. It's just the order for two and one, mm-hmm. which I'm curious about. I'm surprised this team didn't make it to your top five. I'm going to go with the Cleveland Cavaliers, That's ladies fair. and gentlemen. So I have, uh, obviously, I mean, look, when you have two all-stars under the age of 25 already uh, and one who will potentially be an all-star, and on top of that, none of those players are the guy, the superstar guy that you just traded for, I think I got to consider that. Uh, I'm talking about Darius Garland. I'm talking about Jared Allen. And I'm talking about Evan Mobley. Um, When you look at the Cavaliers and what they've built over these two seasons a lot of that has to do with the growth that Darius Garland has had um Mm -hmm. him and Sexton in his rookie season were the worst backcourt defensive pairing in the league Garland hasn't improved a bunch in that category but he's gotten a little bit better he's fighting through screens a little bit more the effort is there if you will and I think half of defense is the effort part of things Mm -hmm. but when it comes to to Garland he is such an enigmatic playmaker uh, I would argue he is a better playmaker than SGA. I would say he is a better playmaker than than Franz or Paolo or any of those mm-hmm. guys right now. I just think he is so good and so divisive in the pick and roll. Um, he just is a wizard when it comes yeah. to making plays. Um, he reminds me so much of Steve Nash. <laughs> and I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I say that because, like, for some people, it's easier to make those comparisons. Uh, I know comparison is the thief of joy. My guy, Mm -hmm. Samson Folk, is always going to try to remind me of that. But Darius Garland, a lot of the maneuvers he does, a lot of the – he does the Jose Calderon or Steve Nash dribble out sometimes when he's kind Mm -hmm. of stuck under the rim. Um, And it it just reminds me of Steve Nash, the way that he kind of maneuvers in the pick and roll, the way that he uses his burst and his speed to kind of get through little tiny angles and kind of find plays and – hook up Jared Allen or hook up Evan Mobley on a lob. And I just think he's a great playmaker. He's a really like if the all-star and we'll do all our star, all our all-star episode at some point um, mm-hmm. in the next couple of weeks. But I mean, he probably could be an all-star this year. I think there's a genuine conversation for him to, for him to be in one. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's why I'm throwing them there. And then on top of that, you have Jared Allen who is, I think like a lot of people when they saw the deal that he signed for a hundred million dollars were like, whoa, that is a lot for Jared Allen, but he has paid off and then some. The Cavaliers, mm-hmm. I believe, are still the number one defense in the NBA. And a lot of that is because of Jared Allen, because he is a rim protecting big who does his job on that end, who is willing to get dunked on continuously. <laughs> yeah, right. Um and he is, he's willing to protect the paint at all costs. I think he's been essential to what they do. And he's been essential to what this next guy, Evan Mobley, has been able to do. Because beside Jared Allen, Evan Mobley is free to figure out himself. He is mm-hmm. fr- free to fail because there is the backline help of Jared Allen if he misses a late rotate, if he's late on a rotation or he misses a rotation. Um, To be fair, Evan Mobley is rarely late on rotations or misses (laughs) rotations because he is a superb defender. Uh, I think there's a case to be made that he can be an all-defense player this year. 
his offense will have to grow. And I think yeah. a lot of that is, is similar to not positionally, but like similar to Josh Giddy in the sense that like the shooting has to come. He has to develop a little bit more of a touch at the rim. He has to get stronger. He has to finish through guys. And I know they're, they're different positions. I know Giddy and Mobley play different positions, but the aggressiveness aspect and finding your shot, figuring out how to create your own shot. Those are two things. Both of those guys absolutely need to grow in. Uh, I do have a ton of confidence in Mobley figuring that out. I think paired with Garland, who is an all-star player, who is super young, paired with Allen, who's an all-star player, who is super young. And then you have Mitchell, who just missed this, by the way. He is only 26 years old. Mm-hmm. We, if this was last year, we could have thrown them all into this. Oh, yeah. And I, I, you could maybe even argue they'd be higher on this list. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I, I look. That's my spiel on Cleveland. I'm a big, I'm a big Cavs guy. You guys, you guys yeah. saw it. You, you know me. Uh, I'm a big Evan Mobley fan, big Darius Garland fan. So, yeah, had to, had I, to throw them in there. I like the Cleveland. I think that there's, there's a lot there. And, and to your point on the Jared Allen deal, when that, I saw a lot of the backlash on that 100 million dollar deal. But what I think a lot of people forget is that it's over five years right. locking up a guy like Jared Allen at that stage in his career, when you are already starting to see it for five years. And, and in that fifth year, he's only going to be making 20 million. Cause I believe it's a flat rate deal. Right. That's insane value that you're <laughs> going to have on a guy like that. And then, like you said, how it kind of impacts Evan Mobley on, on really both ends of the court, honestly. Um, but I yeah, I really like Cleveland. Um, I think part of the reason that I didn't throw them in here is because. Outs- I mean, I hate to say this, but outside of their kind of win now. You, I mean, it is a young court. It's a young court. So I, think, I think it's young. you got me. Yeah. I think you got me. Outside of that, to me, they're very like veteran oriented. Win now, they're, they're yeah. and so that's how in my brain how I view them. But I absolutely think that there's there's probably a, a better argument that they should be three <laughs> as opposed to Detroit. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one. I'll okay, that fair one. enough, fair enough, fair enough. Look, no, I just I think uh, I think with Detroit, there's a long way to go, and they're still really young. So I imagine next yeah. year when we throw them on this, when they have a Scoot Henderson or a Wembenyama or an Amen or an Osor Thompson. Um, then we will we will probably put them on this list. I think there's there's arguments to be had about a bunch of other teams that I'm oh, gonna yeah. I'll throw in some honorable mentions later. So we're down to our top two, ladies and gentlemen, our top two cores. Mm-hmm. I think there is no question who these top two cores are. I assume mm-hmm. the people at home who are listening to this podcast are screaming, <laughs> begging us to say what these two top cores are. I imagine for you. In no order in particular, because I'm curious to see what your order is. Um, the New Orleans Pelicans and the Memphis Grizzlies. Yes, those, are, those are my top two. That okay. Which... Imagine if I said, oh, I forgot about them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I was uh, the Houston Rockets. Jabari Smith. No. <laughs> oh, God. Sorry. Houston. <laughs> honorable, honorable mention list. Yes, but yes. Nah, absolutely. An honorable mention. Uh, yeah. But no, listen, you can't convince me to put those in, <laughs> them in my top five. Houston, by the way. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of keeping a tally this season on what teams I watch. Uh, if I have completed 75% a game of a game or if I've watched the second half or if I've watched the entire game, I kind of like add it into my tally of teams that I've watched. Houston and Charlotte are my least watched teams this year. And that's just because Houston is a very, very tough watch offensively. They are – it's like 
it's like watching paint dry, but it's also as if you were watching paint dry while someone was like throwing water on the wall that was drying. It's just, it's like, what is going on here? You know? Oh yeah. And with Charlotte, it's just like, uh, I mean, outside of LaMelo ball, it's, it's not, there's, it's tough to, yeah, it's tough to watch. Um, when it comes to the Pelicans and the Grizzlies though, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to list their players here for you. They have, so in terms of, they also have the top end talent to argue that they have the best young core cores of the bunch, but they also have the depth of young talent that I think that to be fair to your point earlier about, you know, some of these other teams that have the four five, six, seven guy that are young. These guys have it 100%. Uh, the Pelicans, they have obviously Zion Williamson. They have Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones, Jose Alvarado, Dyson Daniels, Trey, uh, Trey Murphy the third. That is a lot of talent. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, they have John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain, Zaire Williams, Santi Aldama. Uh, you can probably add a couple of more guys to that, but that is also a lot of talent. Mm-hmm. From the guys that I mentioned, I'm pretty sure there's five all-star candidates and two guys who are <laughs> surefire all-stars. Um, yeah. Where did you go? Where, did you did you go Pelicans second, Grizzlies first? Did you go Grizzlies first, Pelicans? You know, what did you do? <laughs> Don't think I didn't remember my my hot take from earlier in one of our episodes on who yeah. my sleeper team to come out of the West was. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But I do have them at number two. I have Pels two, Grizzlies one. I have the exact same order. So, okay. Wow. So, so outside of Detroit and Cleveland, which we flip-flopped, um, we have the essentially the same order and OKC and, S- and Orlando, we obviously flip flopped yeah. as well, but, right. uh, I don't know. Listen, producer drew, if we could cook up a little graphic here, that would be cool to post on social. But regardless, um, when it comes to the Pelicans and when it comes to the, to the Grizzlies, I think you can go either way. Uh, I really do think you can go either way. The way I looked at this was okay. John Morant and Zion Williamson are in similar tiers of players. They are about the same tier. I think you can go back and forth on who you value more long term, who you rely on. But I, I think in and obviously the health issues and whatnot. But I really do think they are in the similar tier of player as of today. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. versus Brandon Ingram. I also think they're similar, but I think I would pick Ingram. In terms, he's probably a little bit higher. Although I already wrote about this this year, I really do think Jaron Jackson Jr. has a very good chance of winning the Defensive Player of the Year this season. He mm-hmm. has elevated the Grizzlies' defense to another level. He absolutely deserves to have some kind of All Star recognition. I don't think he, I don't think he'll get the nod because the forward spot in the West is stacked. Yeah, but uh, I mean, he's he's in the conversation for it at the very least. And then you have the third guys and. To me, the Pelicans have more third guys than the Grizzlies have third guys, but the Grizzlies have the better third guy of all yeah. the third guys. Desmond Bain is he, he topples over uh, Herb Jones, Jose, Dyson, uh, Trey Murphy. I think he's better than all, all of those guys. Can right. those guys end up being better than him? I think there's a very good chance that Trey Murphy ends up being better. I think there's a very good chance that maybe even Dyson Daniels. Dyson, yeah, I'm very high on Dyson. Right? Yeah, I traded traded for him in my uh, trade. Oh, yeah, steal. Yeah, yeah I don't absolutely. even need to see the deal. <laughs> um, but so that that's why I have the Grizzlies first and I have the Pelicans second, and I think yeah. it's because the top three of the Grizzlies are 
it, it, it added value. You have John Zion, who are similar to your players, Jaron and B.I., who, yes, you could probably argue Ingram is a little bit higher on that list for you, but also similar to your players. And then you have Desmond Bain, who is probably better than the rest of the Pelicans bunch. And that's why I give the slight edge, a very, yeah, very slight very edge slight. to the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, and I think that's that's like that's the gist of it when it comes to yeah. debating these two teams. I think, you know, we're at the we're at the 45 ish mark of this thing. And I, I kind of want to sum up. Uh, you know what? Wait, wait do you want to do honorable mentions real quick? Yeah, let's just we can go through them real quick. Yeah. OK, cool. I have Toronto as an honorable mention just because Scotty Barnes, Precious Achua, OG Ananobi, Gary Trent Jr. Who knows if they end up trading any of those guys. Um, but at the Malachi same time. Flint. Okay. You know what? I'm ending this pod right now. <laughs> it's the objective. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I had to throw him in there. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, he'll, Malachi Flynn will probably be an NBA player or at the very least a very good European basketball player. But I, I don't mean to be mean. I don't mean to be mean. That's a great thing to be, yeah, you know, that, do it you is. Think? yeah, it yeah. is. Hell yeah. Do you think, but like, look, it's, it's tough to see him struggle like this back and forth, regardless. Um, not talking about Mal- Malachi Flynn here, <laughs> the Toronto Raptors, they're probably an honorable mention because just like uh, we mentioned with Mobley, just like we mentioned with Cade, Scotty Barnes has that superstar type potential. I think he's had a, a, a struggling second year to kind of find his footing, but that is completely normal and that is completely regular. And then you have the OG Ananobis and the Precious Achoos of the world, which I think adds some some value. Uh, Detroit, you mentioned. Uh, I had Utah in there as well. Okay. I don't know if you did because they had like Lowry Marketing, yeah. Jared Vanderbilt. Yeah. Um, you know, Colin Sexton and whatnot. I, th- I think it's a decent core. It's interesting yeah. enough to work on, especially because Markkinen is looking like an all-star, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I did not include them, but it is it is definitely fair. I'm obviously very high on Markkinen. I have a tweet about him probably once a week. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I did not include them just because I, to me, it's not stable enough right now. But I think if yeah. you're focusing on right now, um, they have enough talent and enough guys that have ceilings to, to include them for sure. So absolutely. I think that's fair. Any other uh, honorable mentions? I have a couple more here, but I wanted to see. Yeah, if you had I had. Uh, so I had. I really just had four. Uh, I had yeah. the Raptors, the Rockets, the Pacers, and the Knicks. Uh, yeah. Those were kind of the, the four main ones that I had. Um, and I, again, I think you could make a case for more, but like I said, those are probably my main four. I think Miami deserves a, an honorable mention here too, yeah. just because of Bam and sure. Tyler Hero. I mean, just because of top tier sure. talent, they're they're definitely up there. Um, and yeah, to your point, Indiana and Houston. Are, are up there as well. I mean, Indiana really has reshaped themselves in a big way with Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Mather, and Andrew Nembard, uh, even like Aaron Neesmith and, you know, whatnot. They've kind of, they've really consolidated some really, really good young guys that they could work with. I wonder if they make a win now move. We've talked about that in the last episode. You can check that out if you'd like to on the Objective Basketball Podcast. But um, the summation of this, I think the the end thing I would want to to finish off here on, and I, I don't know, Lauren, if you have any other notes you want to mention, but um, the NBA is in such a good spot talent-wise. Uh, I remember watching as a kid, and maybe it was because I was a kid and I, I wasn't as in tune with every single player and every single roster, but it really does feel like it has been the best product that I've watched ever uh, basketball-wise. And I think it's just because there is so much more talent in the league. We talk about the offensive explosion. Again, I don't mean to plug myself like a, an a-hole here, but 
I wrote about the offensive explosion uh, on the newsletter uh, that you can check out. And um, it, it, a lot of that is because of the talent that we see in the NBA today, because every single team has an offensive guy who can create baskets for you. Every single team has that guy who is a matchup nightmare. You even look at guys, uh, you know, teams at the bottom, the bottom of the standings. You still have to deal with Lamella Ball when you're facing the Charlotte Hornets. You still have to deal with, you know, it, uh, usually you would have to deal with Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, whatnot, when it comes to the Detroit Pistons. You still have to figure out how to guard Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. on the Houston Rockets, although they guard themselves because they never pass the ball. And you can you can also say that you, you have to worry about Devin Vassell and Keldon Johnson. At the very bottom of the league, the talent has gotten so much better. And at the very top of the league, the talent is still very, very good. And I think that gap has gotten so much smaller because every single year we are getting better basketball players. This is the golden age of basketball. And these young cores are proof of that because a lot of the teams that we mentioned are currently playoff or play in teams. The Grizzlies, they are at the top of the Western Conference. The Pelicans, they're at the top of the Western Conference. The Cleveland Cavaliers, they are near, I, I believe they're still a top six. Yeah, they are still a top six team. Uh, the Orlando Magic, they are a feisty team that you would have to guard every single night. I think the the Oklahoma City Thunder, they're trying to be a playing team. Some of these uh, honorable mentions that we mentioned, the, the talent in the NBA is at its best right now. Uh, and it's just, it's an incredible thing to watch. So, Lauren? I know, I, I mean, I'm right there with you. It's it's crazy because even not to get in too much into the tanking of it all, but in terms of the talent at like the bot, the quote unquote bottom of the league, I, I mean, they are, I guess, with the standings, but some of these young cores that we're seeing being built out right now that we just went through, I mean, it's only a matter of time. And I'm not talking like five to seven years. I'm talking yeah. like in the shorter term, these kind of, potential powerhouse teams i'm not saying they're all going to be able to put it together and or that everybody's going to be working together and be happy about it or i mean we're already kind of seeing that a little bit but um there's just there's so much potential for trios or duos that just are going to be problems for potentially long-term i guess periods of time And, and we're kind of seeing that i guess come to fruition right now with the Celtics and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, what it looks like to really have a truly just dynamic duo that's in on the same uh, kind of trajectory um, and, and timeline to have them together and, and playing at such a high level. We're seeing what a dangerous kind of team like that can be and how dominant they can be in not yep. just the Eastern Conference, but the league. And, and it's crazy to think that with the age of tanking and with just the current landscape of the league, how many teams we might potentially have at some point where it's like, how do you even predict who the favorite is? Or obviously, I mean, there are just so many moving factors constantly, but I really, I completely agree. This is the golden age of basketball. And I'm so, so excited for kind of what the future holds. And especially as we continue to see year after year with these draft classes, just some of the top, talent and and just the depth of some of these drafts and and you never even know who the sleepers are going to be so it's just it's so such a wonderful time to be an nba fan it's things are great so i just i don't know we'll see how it all shakes out and who gets this next kind of winning piece especially in this next draft it's very cool because uh while you still have the zion williamson's the 
John Morantz, the Luka Doncic's, the Anthony Edwards, the Shea Gilgis Alexanders of the world. I'm sorry if I'm missing any, but you get what I mean. When, <laughs> right. when you have these young superstar players, but you also have the LeBron Jameses of the world, the Kevin Durant's of the world, the Chris Paul's of the world, the Paul George's, the Kawhi Leonard's, kind of that Steph Curry, the kind of like that that era that is sort of it's aging out when you have them still competing at a very very high level and you also have these young guys that are competing at an extremely high level Mm -hmm. uh it just makes it so that it's tough to predict what's going to happen next and i think that's what parody has created i think that's what the play-in has created also yeah it's made it it's made it so that you know you don't know who is going to be a buyer and a seller and i think not to get too much into the trade topics again, but I think that's why we're not seeing a ton of movement right now. Um, and maybe that'll pick up in the next couple of weeks. I've, I've heard that there are some teams that are really, really starting to consider their options here. Right. Um, but when it, when it comes to like, Hey, are we are a buyer or a seller? I think that's, that's very hard to determine nowadays because of the plan, because of the fact that everybody thinks yeah. they have a shot. So it, it's, it's an interesting time, and I think the NBA is changing. It's evolving. It's kind of a passing of the torch season, if you will, because there are some of these older guys that are aging out, and there's, these new guys are, are taking their spots. It's, it's really, genuinely, it's an exciting time to be a basketball fan. So I appreciate you guys listening. Lauren, I appreciate you uh, listening to my spiels. <laughs> Uh, I got you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you have listened all this way, thank you for listening to the Objective Basketball Podcast. Go ahead and do the subscriptions and the likes and the ratings and whatnot. Maybe even like give me a five star rating, but then just blast me in the review. You know, so this guy has a very annoying voice, but I'm going to give him five stars anyways. That's what you should do. Uh, <laughs> so I appreciate you guys listening. Thank you so much. We will see you guys later in the week for another episode of the Objective Basketball Podcast. Follow hosts at Just S. Barahini on all socials and at the Lauren Gun on Twitter. The Objective Basketball Podcast. Delivering the NBA to you like no other.